we're highlighting a new missionary this morning. Um, we just come off of Alex Etheridge, and uh, t today uh. we are highlighting Mike and Alola, Ilona Hattinger. And uh, so they serve in Costa Rica, and um, <clears throat> I do have, um, Mike sent me a video at 3 p.m. yesterday, so, and then I couldn't get it uploaded, so I think I had Chad, Chad was helping me on that. So we'll play that for Mike first, it's just a couple minutes, and then I'll probably reiterate what he said, because I didn't have the video till late. This is missionary Mike Hattinger. My wife Ilona and I would like to reach out this morning with just a brief video and say thank you to Pastor Ken and the wonderful congregation there in Rogers, Ohio. Uh, also a special thanks to Connie for allowing us to uh, reach out today and just to share. You know, some 26 years ago, we rolled into Rogers as a young family getting ready to go to the mission field for the first time to Mexico and you received us so warmly with such a great welcome and since then our kids have grown we now enjoying being grandparents but one thing that hasn't changed and that is that God's call upon our life is still very real to serve him in other parts of the world uh, we are now finishing our fourth year here in Costa Rica uh, we lead the language school where every Assemblies of God missionary, new Assemblies of God missionary from the United States going to Latin America who has to learn Spanish has to come here to, to begin their work, to begin learning this, this beautiful language of Spanish. And we just want to thank you for supporting us, for praying for us, and for allowing us to continue to serve during these years of our life. It means much to us, and without you, it simply wouldn't be possible. Thank you again. Okay, so uh, Mike and Alana are um, Ohio missionaries, which is what we try to do um, here, and they come from North Ridgeville, Ohio. North Ridgeville is also where the Etheridges come from. We've already done um, Alex, and then we did um, Linda and Carl, um, the, the the parents and Alex, and they also went are from North Ridgeville, I think from the same church. And um, Mike was actually a pastor at that church, and he pastored there from 1984 to 1994, and then he got called into missions at that time. So in 1995, he, um, him and his wife set out to Mexico. They went to Chihuahua, Mexico, and um, they preached to the old colony Germans there, until 2008 and then in 2008 then they felt called to go to a different part of Mexico and they went to um, Oaxaca Mexico and they, they were training pastors and missionaries and also providing pastoral counseling there so they've been in the mission field quite a while they also attended Sincel which they were asked and appointed to be directors at the Sincel language school um, in 2018 and they moved down to Costa Rica in 2019. So they've uh, been in this for a long time and we've been supporting them from the very beginning. So um, I was really glad to talk with them. So um, 
Mike and, uh, oh, Sincel. Let, let me tell you about Sincel. Sincel Language School was founded on May 7th of 1993 by um, Doug Peterson and Johnny Esquivel-Ti with the support of the Assemblies of Gods and the Assembly of God World Missions, which at that time <coughs> was called the Foreign's Mission Division, but they made it a little fancier now. So any missionary that's called to any kind of a Spanish-speaking language country um, is, to, is to go through this school. And they teach them, um, they teach them so much there, but their main, their main goal is to teach them fluently in the language of Spanish and to adapt them to the culture down there also. Um, we, uh, let's see. They have served over 100 students, and there's 21 countries represented. The school's divided into three trimesters, and they offer grammar, conversation, and phonetics. They have to learn the alphabet. And I think if you remember, um, I did an update on the Burdicks, uh, David and Haley, and they um, just finished their, their uh, courses, and they had to speak, uh, preach a sermon in Spanish. So they have to be that fluent, and they have to be that um, dedicated with that. So they three times a year they have classes that's focused on the specific competencies for the missionary service. And so they have some primary factors other than sp Spanish language fluently and adapting this to the Spanish culture. They also help with some important primary factors. Uh, one of them is spiritual formation. And um, the that's the most important of the three, and that will affect how the other two will um, be shaped. Knowing scripture, prayer, fasting, and intercession is practiced. And um, that is Haley Burdick, and she's on the missions team down there um, because they all get involved in everything down there. And at Sincel, everyone is put on a fasting rotation, whether you're a, a student or fa faculty or teacher, whatever, everybody's put on a fasting rotation so that someone's always fasting and praying daily for the school, the region, and the world. Also, along with spiritual formation, they practice the solitude. Solitude leads to healthy ry rhythms of life, and it replenishes what the social media drains off of us and removes the weight of so many voices and noise in their life. It also helps overcome the fear and loneliness that they have because it's quite a transition to just pick up and go down there and all, the, all that that comes with all the changes. The second um, primary factor is character. And in missionary service, character is greater than any other competency, including language, theology, and missiology. When you practice healthy spiritual formation, the shaping of your Christ-like character is formed. Who you are paves the way for the learning, interaction, and behavior. behavior. And um, along with the character, these character qualities um, are taught to the missionaries to be successful at Sincel and beyond, and could even be applied to us. So the first one is, uh, the first character quality would be to be teachable. And this requires humility and meekness, for an example, when you're trying to learn the alphabet of another language or trying to learn how to do a missionary presentation. <laughs> and uh, then we have um, practice in, oh, that's a picture of their, um, which one is it? That's a picture of their missiology class right there. 
also practice gratitude and it helps relieve the need to control things and aids you to trust and submit to the process and to the leaders, directors, and the teachers that God puts over you. And it's also a one wonderful companion to humility. Um, and then the third um, factor would be a healthy lifestyle. And the biggest lifestyle changes is to learn how to slow down. And Americans are taught that being busy is a good and productive thing. We're always in a hurry to finish or not finish anything and just move on to the next, and we're just so busy in America. But the Latin America lifestyle is so laid back and so much slower. And um, that's why they're one of the happiest people in the world down there. They've been voted that, and I touched on that with Alex last month, but they, um, they, have, they, have, they just have solid footing on things, and they have good health care, they have decent wages, and they're just happy and laid back. And um, sounds like a place I would love to go visit. <laughs> um, also become flexible. The new changes can be frustrating. And um, there's a picture of Alex with the kids right there. It becomes less overwhelming when you learn to roll with them. And you can also have a positive attitude and um, a sense of humor. So the director will often say to the students, take care of one another. And um, Alex works with assisting the missionary kids with the families and he um, helps to transition them into the missionary field because they, I touched on this last month, they are not called, God calls the parents and the kids have to go along with them and it's such a big change for them. But God also calls the family. He does call the whole family. The kids just don't realize that at the time. <laughs> so um, the uh, there's 555 million people living in Latin America who do not know Jesus as their personal savior. And of them, 20 million people have never heard the name of Jesus. So they have a lot of work to be done down there. And I think that that's a great school. And um, I think they're doing great things to get people to um, move into the direction of the Spanish speaking. So I do have a few fun facts about Costa Rica because I always like to find them. So um, Costa Rica, with the population of 5 million, is smaller than Lake Michigan, and it's about the size of West Virginia, with West Virginia's population being 1.8 million. So um, it's not a very big country. I've, we've been down completely through West Virginia several times, and it's not very big. Um, there's approximately 52 species of hummingbirds that make it the hummingbird capital of the world. And um, also 10% of the world's butterflies live in Costa Rica. And um, those little butterflies up there, you can see through their wings, they're called glass, glass butterflies. I just thought they were kind of cool. So um, also a fun fact would be that the sun rises and sets at the same time every day, all year round, between 5.45 and 6 p.m. Uh, there's no daylight savings time and uh, they're on Central Standard Time, so they're one hour behind us. So they're almost on our same time here. And then um, Costa Rica has approximately 200 volcani volcanic formations. Only around 100 shows any sign of volcanic activity. Only 100. And five are considered active. So when I read that, I'm thinking, this place is only the size of West Virginia. 
and it has 200 volcanic formations. <laughs> it's like, there's, there's probably, that just seems like a lot to me with 5 million people on top of that. But um, they have a lot of uh, volcanic formation. Also, um, there's approximately 50,000, on top of all of that, there's 50,000 individually owned coffee farms in Costa Rica. 90% of them are on less than 13 acres, individually owned. <coughs> Um, it's a law down there that you must grow 100% Arabica beans, and the temperature, climate, high altitudes of cooler weather, and the mineral-rich volcanic soil, which is everywhere, along with the Arabica beans, make it a perfect storm for outstanding, flavorful, smooth coffee. And coffee's a big thing down there. It's a real, I don't like coffee, but I'm just putting that out there to you guys, because I, I don't drink coffee. And the last one is, um, the sloth was named Costa Rica's national animal in 2021. <laughs> and October 20th is National Sloth Day. And um, how fitting, because they're just so laid back and slow that they just picked the sloth for their, <laughs> for their national animal, but they're everywhere. It was kind of cute, so. So, okay, so um, let's pray for them before we leave, and I encourage you, um, I know we don't, we highlight them, I know, just through the announcements, but I do encourage you to pray for them through the month, and um, they have a, they have a lot of responsibility. Um, he did actually tell me that he's, um, they're getting ready to itinerate, which means that they're coming off of their mission field for a year, and so they'll be home starting in January, but in doing that, since they're the directors and the higher up people, they have to train people to do their job for them for that whole year while they're gone and it's getting stressful for them so um just keep them in your prayer and uh and we just um encourage them to keep doing what they're doing so let's pray for them lord we just thank you for mike and alana lord we just thank you for the service that they've provided lord through all the lives that they've touched from mexico to costa rica and lord we just pray that you'll just just give them a blessing right now, Father, and we pray that you'll just um, hold them up, Father, and Lord, keep them strong for you. Lord, we pray that you'll just help them and guide and direct them and, and give them um, blessings when they come home on itineration. We thank you for them. In your name, Lord, amen. So, well, today I am going to, if you have your Bibles, I think I'm going to use Hebrews 10.24 as a springboard verse but i'm going to kind of be a little bit all over today and and uh and i've entitled my sermon today what i want to talk to you about i've entitled it why church why church uh and and i know that today i'm probably preaching to the choir a little bit it is a holiday weekend i am fully aware of it um some of our worship team, they're out on vacation, and that was pre-planned. And didn't the guys do a good job today? So, yeah. I was like, it's like this might be guy, guy's day out or something, you know. Uh, so, uh, so, so they did an excellent job. But, but it's a holiday weekend, and I know a lot of people have um, plans, and they're doing things, and vacations, and last-minute stuff here and there. Uh, and I understand that we are here in church today probably because we value the importance of church in our lives. Um, and so today I understand that we're preaching to the choir today. But I wanted to just take time on this holiday weekend. The Lord impressed upon me uh, 
this issue of why church. And it really came to the forefront by a conversation that I had this week on Facebook. And now Facebook to me is a great medium. It's a great tool to keep up in touch with other people. It's great to look at pictures uh, of your maybe some you know, I don't want to say lost relatives, but relatives you don't get to see very often, maybe acquaintances that you haven't seen in years and you get to see their pictures and kind of just keep up and keep tabs on them. I also think Facebook is a great place to advertise and to get the message of Jesus out. And so I think that there are times when we can do that. Most of the time, I do not think Facebook is a great platform for, uh, for debate or for arguing um, so, so I am not that guy. I'm not the guy that's going to enter into a whole lot of social media arguments because I just feel like people on Facebook, they don't get into arguments to learn. They get in just to find validation for their own points. Um, so they just want to be heard. And so anyway, I usually steer clear of this, but there was one topic that caught my eye and I just couldn't contain myself. I couldn't hold back. And the post started out, um, and of course I blocked out all the names, and they're not going to be, probably nobody in here is going to know them anyway, because I don't, I, it's from a, a different church, a different state. Anyway, um, if we could go to this next slide, Valerie. This was the initial post. One person posted this. Stop looking for the perfect church. Go worship a perfect God today with a congregation of flawed people who need grace as much as you do. Amen. I think that describes us, right? That's pretty much us. I don't, I don't claim to be the perfect pastor. and We don't claim to be the perfect church. But we have a perfect God. And we are in this together. And we, we all fall under this idea of grace. And so... Um, so I, I caught that, and I liked it and all that, but then I started reading some of the comments under, which I, maybe I shouldn't have. But, uh, but after a few comments, one person uh, commented, and um, if we could go to the next one, Val. And hopefully you guys can read that. Uh, it says, okay, but why? Give me a compelling reason. I can worship God on my couch. Right? And some of us prefer to worship God on our couch, right? Right? We can worship with God on this channel and the football game on this channel, right? That is some of the mentality, but, but, but why? Give me a compelling reason. And so, so I am just reading this, and I'm, I'm listening to some of the comments that followed this, but they weren't really good, good you know, they, it wasn't a good argument. And so I felt compelled by the Holy Spirit, all right, I'm going to chime in, right? Can you imagine that, a Savaco chiming in on something? <laughs> Never happens. So I felt compelled, led by the Holy Spirit, and I always feel like the best argument comes from Scripture, right? Because to me, that's where we start out with. I mean, who cares my opinion, right? It's God's opinion that counts. So, so I quoted a scripture, and um, it is next. And you guys, if you have your Bibles in Hebrews 10, 24, it says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. This is our job 
and not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. All right. And the key part of that verse to me was not giving up meeting together. All right. That means don't abandon church. Don't abandon meeting with other Christians because that is so important. So I figured, well, here we go. I'll slap that down. Case closed. Right? If only people thought the way that I think. And so, uh, so there was a response after this. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll turn around. I can't read it off the back because my iPhone is not that good. But um, Ken Savacco, I love this. But can you honestly admit that you go to church every Sunday? And tell other people way to love and do good deeds. She don't know me. If we are actually honest with each other, we go to church and we look at the back of someone's neck. If you're involved in small groups, I might believe that you spur someone on. Well, at this point in the juncture, a third person decides to chime in to the first person you seem very angry about this whole post am i reading you wrong and so this person responds back yes i'm not angry but i'm asking for a real meeting beyond vaguely quoted scripture which i took exception to right do not give up meeting together to me that's very specific and very pointed not very vague, but to her it's vague, all right? So be, be, beyond a vaguely quoted scripture, why are we actually supposed to go to church and what are we actually supposed to do when we are there? Most people are going in order to check a box when pressed for meaning. And there was a little bit more, but I, in my translation there I, I guess i didn't get the rest of it but that's the gist of it is why are we going we're going to check a box and stare at the back of somebody's head which by the way if you sit by me i have a beautiful back of my head i do it's worth coming to church just for that it is um so all right can we go yeah it's time to go on to the next slide all right move on move on so I finally get a chance to reply back, and I said, well, person one, I am a pastor, so I do attend church quite frequently. Ha ha. I do believe that there are key aspects to Christianity that are only meant to be in community. For example, and I just listed a few off the top of my head, the practice of accountability. It's hard to be accountable to somebody when you're at home on your couch because you have no one to be accountable to so that is only done in community what about the practice of laying on of hands by elders what we did here today at the altar and we prayed for each other and we laid hands on you cannot do at home on a couch even though the bible commands us if you're sick Call for the elders of the church. Well, I'll talk about that a little bit later. So you can't do that from your couch. 
What about the act of sharing one another's burdens slash needs? And then I put etc. because there is so much more, 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 more. To me, being a Christian is difficult enough. I don't want to try to do it alone. P.S. Thank you for your honest conversation here. I appreciate it. And so I thought, well, that is a short, concise thesis statement. Right? I'm learning this. This is, this is great points all, all squandered down. So, end of argument. Now, uh, there's the next slide. Um, this, is from, this is from a fourth person who decides to chime in, who knows me. And they say, and it's Ken Savacco, is actually a pastor and a re very real and honest one. Um, now, thank you. That has no bearing on my argument here, but I, liked, I just liked it enough to throw it in there. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, well, can I, can I get this printed on a t-shirt or something? Or maybe on my desk or on the church answering machine or something, maybe print it in the bulletin every week. I don't know, I just liked how that reads. So we can go on, that has nothing to do with anything. Um, and it does have one heart. I think that was for me. Um, so then she responded, Ken Savacco, this is wonderful, very scriptural. Does your church actually do these things? If so, wonderful. But it is also rare. I was born and raised in church, preacher's kid here. And shocker, I still go. But in my 51 years of church, I've seen hands laid, but no one healed. Accountability, only sometimes. And my point is, church ain't what it's supposed to be, and most are just going to check the box. So I love challenging Christians' thoughts about church, because honestly, no one is doing that, especially not preachers. Um, I'm not quite sure what she meant there. Preachers are not being challenged? Their question? Preachers aren't challenging people. Okay. Maybe you are different, Ken. Um, I am very different in many ways. Uh, okay, in the next one, she, so she continues on. I like this, however, my whole point is challenging. Is there a huge discrepancy between what scripture says and what is actually happening in most churches? Most churchgoers are actually spiritually lonely. Let that sink in for a moment. Yeah, I guess we should go to church for community, but uh, real light expletive there. If we can't impact spiritual loneliness, how dare we call ourselves church? Okay? So she's spiritually lonely because she comes and stares at the back of somebody's head every Sunday. So let's go to the next one because I reply back and it's quite lengthy. My last post was just the thesis statement. Yeah, this is more like the rest of the paper. I'll attach the bibliography at the end. No. Um, I would like to think that it'd be very difficult to be spiritually lonely in our church because we are so personable and interactive. I don't know how you guys feel, but I think it would be hard. I'm not saying impossible, but I think it'd be hard. However, I understand what you are saying because I, too, once attended a large church while I was in college, 
and the worship and preaching were top-notch, but I logged time going and attending, then leaving with no real relationships within the church. Okay, that is true. I did go to church. Now, before you judge me too difficult, I was logging eight to ten church services a week. Okay. So, minimum. Yeah, minimum required. So, some of those churches I wasn't looking for. I was looking to check a box and say that I was there in and out. I, I admit that. But when you're logging 10 services a week, okay, enough said. Guilty is charged. So I understand what you're saying because you can go to church and not develop real relationships within the church. But that is not because those opportunities did not exist at that church. I just chose not to allow myself to participate in them. I agree that this may be a common problem in churches today, that believers are not engaging in meaningful ways. But that is not always because the church is not functioning properly or fulfilling its mission. It may just be personality or initiative of an individual. Any coach anywhere for any team in any sport will, can we go to the next slide? Um, we'll all tell you, you only get out of it what you put in. Could it be possible that spiritually lonely people have a consumer mentality and not a servant mentality and are not willing to engage? Is that too thick for Facebook? It's a Holy Spirit thing here. I guarantee the people who serve the most feel the most satisfied and enriched. Every time we have a food distribution, the workers who serve walk away because it is more blended. Fat fingers and auto check. It's more blessed to give than to receive. The same is true of every mission trip I've led. I've always thought if we as Christians don't need the church, then why did Jesus institute it in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18? P.S., and here's my disclaimer, I don't know if we'll ever come to a complete resolution on these issues, but I believe we can all strive to be better through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, Yes, I think that was the end of my argument there. Because I, I didn't want to get into too much. However, there is a real problem that is happening in our culture of people doing Christianity without church. And, and you and I are blessed. We are blessed to live um, the, 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 the 90s, the age of the internet, the, the age of online information, it opened us to this information age where information is just readily available to us all the time. Um, if you wanted to tune in to church from your couch in the 80s, you had to do that via television. Um, and you were limited to whoever was on television. Uh, Jimmy Swaggart or Jim Baker or who, whoever was on, that's what you had. Now, through the power of the internet, you can log into 
thousands of different church services because every church is broadcasting um, online in some way or in some format. And so there's a wealth of services that you can have at your disposal from your couch. It is true. You can have a wealth of worship experiences from your couch. There are, there are uh, I'm, I'm so old school, I want to say CDs, but there are, there, are, there are streaming things that you can, there's Spotify, there's all this. You could, you can, the, the world is at your living room, is what I'm saying. So we live in this age where all this stuff is, is, is spoon-fed to us, and it's good for people that are on that outskirts, they're on that fringe, they're learning about what it means to follow Christ. However, however, that's not meant to substitute church. Because there's an importance to church. And I realize that we are drastically running low on time. And so I just want to move through four basic considerations when asking ourselves, why church? Why church? Why do we come to church? All right. And I know we're preaching to the, the, the choir today because we're all here. But maybe we could tuck this in the back of our mind and when somebody else is struggling, hey, we can bring this out. Why church? Why is it so important? And the very first thing I'd like to offer to you to consider is that the church was instituted by Jesus. And I mentioned that in my argument. If church isn't important, then why did Jesus ever offer the church? Why was it Jesus' plan? Do you know that you can open up your 39 books of the Old Testament and you will not find the word church in the Old Testament? The church did not exist in the Old Testament. Now, the place of worship in the Old Testament was the temple. And so you will see the temple, and it has modern-day parallels to that. But the very first time that you and I are introduced to the vocabulary word church is in Matthew 16, 18. And it's about Peter's confession, and they were having this conversation, and there's a little bit of debate about who Jesus is. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, I believe that you are Christ, that you are the Messiah, that you are God's son. And then Jesus has this little play on words, and he says, I tell you that you are Peter. Now, he knows he's Peter, right? But I'm telling you that you're Peter. Peter means rock, um, and he's using this little play on words, and he says, I'm telling you this, that on this rock, I will build my church. And it's not on the rock of Peter. Peter is not a pope, but it's on that confession that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah. So that is what he's building his church on. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So it has this prominent place. Now, the word used here for church uh, in the Greek is ekklesia. And ecclesia means called out one. You are the called out ones. Last week we looked at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4. And we were looking at this, one of the sermons that Moses preached to the Israelites there on the plains of Moab. Uh, before they entered into the promised land and all of that. And uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, if you remember, um, he... he uh, he says he's going to take one nation out of another nation, a nation of slaves, um, and he's going to transform them into a nation of victors. 
And, and much in the same way that God took slaves out of, Na- out of I- uh, Egypt, I'm sorry, I'm going to get that right, he takes you and I out of a nation of sin, out of a nation of slavery, out of a nation of darkness, and he calls us out. You and I are called out ones. And so we are specifically designed to be for God and of God. That was God's plan. Another name for church used in the New Testament is, is uh, kyrike, um, and it's derived from the Greek kyros, which means Lord. Uh, and you could jot down 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 22, and you can study that later, but in 1 Corinthians there, it says, For the one who was a slave when called in faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. Okay, And that's the word that it's, it's calling us. Not that we are slaves in a sense of um, like, like we know slavery, but we are obligated to Christ. Once you and I were obligated to sin, we were obligated to darkness because of our nature. But because Christ set us free and called us out, we are now obligated unto him. We belong to him. We are his. So we are called out ones. And in the church, we're, we're called these different terms. You and I, um, one of the, the most blessed names that God calls the church is brethren. And this is what I love about the church. Now, I realize that we, li- we are here in Rogers, Ohio, where literally we are all related to each other. We really are brothers and sisters and cousins and second cousins and nephews and nieces and aunts and all that. We really are related, okay? However, even if we're not blood-related, within the confines of a church setting, you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. We break down those barriers. In the church, there are not different nationalities. I mean, there are in the physical, but in the spiritual, we are brothers and sisters. There are not different races. In In the physical, yes. In the spiritual, no. We are brothers and sisters. There is this breakdown. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. And so in, in church, we're called out to be God's kingdom. God's called out ones. We belong to him. And when we grasp that, we realize that there is a power from coming that we are unified. That these that these divisions and separations that man puts on us do not exist in church. We could go one step further. There are no classes in church. There are no hierarchy and lowerarchy. There's no upper class or middle class or lower class. We are all the same class. Sinners redeemed by Jesus under his grace. There are barriers that are broken down. We are called believers in Hebrews 11.6. We're called Um, One of my most favorite uh, words that scripture calls us is saints. And uh, Paul writes in Philippians 4.21, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. We used to to have a college president when I was in Bible college that used to call us all saints. Every morning in chapel, good morning, saints. And I'm like, saints, if you only knew what happened in the dorm room last night, right? You would not be calling us saints. Uh, But it's scriptural because this is the way that that God talks about his people and and who we are. We are 
called out ones. Um, we are the elect. We are disciples. We are of the way. You can read about what a church is supposed to look like in Acts chapter uh, 2, verses 42 and on. Um, I don't have the time to, time to go into all of that. But, um, but we are called out, and, 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 and Jesus instituted that. So there's, per, there's, a, there's a reason for that. There's a reason why we're called out, and that's really, uh, we're, we're, we're going to get to that, but, but the church is not just called out, and not only do we belong to Jesus, secondly, second consideration, we're an extension of Jesus. Jesus considers the church part of who he is and part of his ministry. Okay, so we're an extension of Jesus. We are um, called the body of Christ. You and I are called the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, just, as there's, uh, just as the body, though one has many parts, but all of it many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part, but many. You and I are called the body of Christ, made up of different parts. And you and I belong. When we belong to God, we, we belong to a church. And it's important that we attend church because, because every part is important. That's one of our values here, too. That every single person is important. We all have a role. We all have a job. Therefore, we all hold value in God's kingdom. Okay, that's important. To, it's important for us to understand that. Even the little parts have just as much value as the big parts. Have you guys ever stubbed your toe at night in the dark? Even though it is teeny tiny and it's the very bottom of my, of my body and I can't see it sometimes when I'm standing straight up, I know it's there. That toe will let me know when I treat it wrong. When I bang it up against a metal bed frame in the middle of the night. It sends pain throughout my whole body. And it lets me know how important it is. We're all important in the kingdom. Now, sure, a body can function without a toe. It can function without a foot. It can function without a hand. Sure it can. But we call that crippled. And so when there are parts of the body that are not part of the body, it does nothing but cripple the rest of the body. And it impedes our functionality. It impedes what we're supposed to be doing in the kingdom. That's how important it is to be a part of a local church. Thirdly, moving on really, really quick, guys. Um, the third consideration. The church has a distinct purpose. You and I were called for purpose. We're not just here because it's a good club to be a part of, right? Um, we are here because God has called and created the church for a distinct purpose. We find that in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Matthew 28, verse 19. We call these two passages the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And the first one reads like this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your mind and your soul. And the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You and I call that the great commandment. That's what you and I are called to do. And then in the context of maybe a bigger setting, we have the great commission. Therefore, go into all the world 
and preach the gospel, or no, I'm sorry, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you till the very ends of the age. And so from these two verses, we understand that the church really is about five things. We're really been called to five purposes. We are called to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts. We call that worship. We are called to worship. We are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. You know what we call that? We call that ministry. When we minister to other people, we are loving them like we love ourselves. We are called to go and make disciples. Well, we call that evangelism or missions. And we have, we have that wall out there. We are called to tell others about Jesus. Um, we are called to um, uh, baptize them. We call that fellowship. All right, well, well that's weird. That, I never assimilated those two, right? Well, well, to understand what baptism is, and we're going to be taking part in a baptism service next week um, at our church picnic, but baptism is a spiritual ceremony where it's reflecting something that has already happened in your life, okay? So you accept Jesus into your life, and then we go through the ceremony because because God commanded us to. Peter says in Acts 2.38, you know, repent every one of you and be baptized. So we understand we're supposed to do that. Um, but it's, signif it's, it's symbolic. When we go down into the water, it symbolizes that we are down in the grave and we're leaving our sins. And when we come up out of the grave, out of the water, we're symbolizing new life. And so we have new life in Jesus Christ. So we have a fellowship or a union with God the Father. But we do this around other people. We do this in community. We do this as a testimony. And so we're not only saying that we, that we, that we identify with Christ, we're saying we identify with his body, with his church, with his believers. Um, actually, if you want to do uh, word studies and all of that, um, baptism and communion and all of that can be traced back to the same um, root words and all of that. It all has this idea of unity, us together in Christ. And so we call that, we call that fellowship. And then the last part is teaching them to observe. And we do that through discipleship. We do that um, here Sunday morning, Wednesday nights. Um, we have kids programs that are excellent. We have Sunday school. Uh, those are all excellent opportunities for discipleship. Get plugged into those. Um, but these these functions are essential for, for the church. Um, my question is, is, is how can we expect to accomplish some of these goals on our own? How can we go into all the world and, and preach the gospel? How can we baptize? How can we, how can we be part of world evangelism, evang world evangelism on our own from our couch? These are things that, that are given to the church uh, for the purpose of the church. Now, you can grow at home. I understand that. You can do correspondence classes and you can open, your, open up your scripture. But isn't it easier in the context of somebody else who is going through that same process? Somebody else that may have wisdom in that area? Someone else that's already studied it and can show you that? Absolutely it is true. When you're a young Christian and you're a seedling and you're growing... It is better to grow in fertile soil along with other people that are growing 
than to try to grow out in the weeds where you will be strangled with people that are fighting for the same nutrients that you are. It just makes sense, church. Lastly, and I, I know I'm moving through this really quick, but lastly, the last thing I just wanted to share with you today real quick. The church provides functions that are essential to believers. And I honestly believe that. There are things that can only happen in church and in a body of believers that cannot happen by Lone Ranger and on your couch. Laying on of hands uh, is a perfect example of that. It, it, it hurts my heart to know that this lady sat in church for 51 years and never saw one healing. I don't know if she wasn't looking. There is a possibility her eyes were closed, but also there might be a reality that God was just not moving and blessing. I know for a fact that God moves in our church because we hear testimonies about it. And I, and I hear, hey, we prayed and God answered. If you're a part of our prayer chain, you know that. Um, does God answer every prayer? Well, no, God is sovereign. And, and, and I think maybe he does in um, ways that we don't always see and all, ways that we don't always understand. But there is such a refreshing that comes when we know and we see firsthand, hey, I prayed and God answered. We prayed and we answered. We sang that, a new song last week. I love it. We'll be singing it again. Um, but it's called Trusting God. Um, I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. It's such a powerful phrase that we need to ingrain in our spirit. That when we pray, we see God move. And that's why our faith is in God. Because we know that he answers uh, according to his goodness and his faithfulness. So that can only be met in church. It's hard to be at home and call for the elders of the church. I'm sorry, it just is. It's hard, um, it's hard to be encouraged or to encourage other people when you're at home in your church because most people are wanting a solo experience. It's hard to encourage somebody else. Do you know how many times um, that people have been an encouragement to me that has helped me move on in ministry? It's helped me accelerate. I mean, have you ever felt, I'm not saying I felt like giving up, but have you ever felt, have you ever been there where you just want to bang your head up against the wall? Or you, you just want to strangle someone or you're just at your, but then someone comes along and encourages you and they lift you up and you know that you're not in it by yourself, that there's people around you that are, that, that, that feel, that can only be met in community. It can't be met singularly. Um, water baptism, it's hard to get water baptized in your living room. Uh, maybe your bathroom, but not your living room. Um, but, but that is, you, even if you do, it's, it, you're missing the point of a body of believers and, and a witness and all of that stuff. But there are so many things that can, and I don't have time today to go through all of the benefits of, of church. But, but I always ask myself, listen, if we can do church, if I can, li if I can live out my Christianity outside of church, then Why? Why church? Why did Jesus institute it? Why did, why, why did they form it throughout the book of Acts? Why did God send his Holy Spirit to empower the church to fulfill its mission? Why all of that? It's because this is part of God's plan. The church is part of fulfilling God's plan, not just in a global sense, but in a personal sense in your own life.
That's why church is so important and so vital. We can't, we can't do Christianity without church. We need it. Amen? Amen. That's the end of my argument. That's all I have today. So, so hey, let's bow our heads and pray um, and just thank God. Lord, today I'm just so thankful that in your house and in your church, in your body of believers, God, Lord, I know today that I'm preaching to the choir, but Lord, we're just, um, we're recalibrating and we're just making sure, God, that we're, 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 we're knowing why church is important, that we don't come here out of ritual, we don't come here out of ceremony, we don't come here because we have to, Lord, we come here because we, we want to, and we come here because we feel a part, and we feel like, God, we're, that you're using us and we're growing in our faith, Lord, Lord, would this house right here, this body of believers, would this be a place for worship? Lord, we know that, that church is important because where two or three gather, there you are in the midst. It's a guarantee. So, Lord, let us not forsake the meeting together with other Christians. God, let us not give it up. Let us not desire to do it on our own. God, let us not be hurt or discouraged by man, by things that we see that are wrong, by things that we perceive. Lord, let us not be um, sidetracked by some of the hurts that we carry, by some of the, the thoughts that we have or the feelings that we have. God, help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us realize that we are imperfect people in an imperfect system that are worshiping and serving a perfect God. God, help us today by your Holy Spirit to know why church exists. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hey, God bless you guys. Um, uh, go have a wonderful, safe holiday. Uh, come back next week. Next week we are meeting here at our normal time, but we'll be ending a little bit early to take a break to go down to uh, Beaver Creek State Park right by that bridge. Uh, we'll be having our picnic in the Red Barn just like last year. And then, uh, of course, baptisms. So many have signed up. If you're interested, you can sign up for that. All right, God bless you guys. Go in God's grace. Drums and the beat.